Howdy, this is Dave Hill, and this is issue 50 of Dave Does the Comics. This is my monthly comic book review podcast, recorded May 5th, 2013. I have been reading comics since the late 60s, actively buying them since the mid-70s. I am not a professional. I don't obsessively haunt the comic book boards online, but I do have a ton of long boxes in my basement, and I'm not afraid to use them. True confession time! No, I did not take a skip month to make this 50th issue a double-sized extravaganza, though it might very well end up being double-sized. No, it suffered from the, well, this weekend isn't convenient. Wow, this next weekend is really inconvenient. Wow, we're already a half month late, might as well wait, syndrome. I'm sure you all know how that works, so apologies, and on with the show. That does mean, of course, that I've got a ton of comics to go over. I'm going to skip a lot of the marginal ones and even some of the pretty good ones and hit what I've been reading and enjoying the most, or mostly, for the past couple of months. Things haven't been helped by the fact there's been a ton of very cool stuff coming out, so let's have at it. Starting with Marvel. Marvel is still using the red Marvel Now trade dress, though at least in part to be able to flog Iron Man 3 ads. I kind of hate it when they do that. Nevertheless, most of my top comics this month are from Marvel, as DC keeps slipping back into oblivion. Start with Avengers number 10 from Marvel. Jonathan Hickman writing Mike Diodato on the art. Validator. Hickman continues to shift Avengers into cosmic conspiracy mode, which is highly entertaining, if sometimes a little bit too much. Um, after all, conspiracies imply that people are being fooled, infos being hidden, individuals are being manipulated, none of which is terribly heroic. Which is why, while I enjoyed this tale dealing with the world-changing infection from Mars, really, in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, and what happened to the Avengers and Omega Flight there, both what they know and <laughs> what they don't know, um, it all felt very cool and appropriately mind-blowing, but also felt more than a bit manipulative, both of the heroes and the reader. So we'll see. Um, no sign of the star brand in this issue. Yes, the star brand is back um, in the past couple of issues of the title, which is also cosmically cool. But I'm sure we'll get back to it real soon now. Four stars. I liked this one a lot. All new X-Men number 11 from Marvel. Brian Bendis writing Stuart Immonen on the right on the art. Um, this The Bright Side uh, X-Men tale about the team at the Jean Grey School, so it's the Dark Side um, X-Men series that's going on with the team at the Charles Xavier School run by Cyclops. So uh, this is about the, the, the Brighter Side team, um, including the original from the past X-Men youth, and in this issue, the question of which of them will switch over to the adult Cyclops' team and why. Um, good personality tales going on here, especially the challenge for a Jean Grey finding herself in the future, idolized by people who grew up around her, and prematurely gifted now with her telepathic powers without a Charles Xavier to guide and control her. Um, really good stuff, even if it's still suffering from a cast of zillions. Um, I give it four stars. I liked it a lot. 
Savage Wolverine, number four from Marvel. Frank Cho writing and art. Savage, part four. Wolverine is in the Savage Land, although it has nothing to do with his being in the Savage Land in the Wolverine and the X-Men title. Um, go figure. Uh, we've got your Shauna the She-Devil, your Amadeus Cho, your dinosaurs, and your giant gorillas. It's like a fantastic Frank Cho art gallery with an entertaining story to go along with it. Fun stuff. I'm enjoying this title more than, uh, than I thought I would, almost to a guilty extent. I'm going to give it a three stars. I liked it. Actually, you know what? Four stars. I liked it a lot. Moving on, uh, Age of Ultron, number seven from Marvel. Brian Bendis writing, uh, diverse hands on the art. I have no idea how Bendis is going... I had no idea how Bendis was going to work this out as a crossover event. Um, there have been some fantastic AU issues of other books popping up here and there, and, and I still don't quite see how it's going to fit into the Marvel Universe as a whole, uh, though clearly time travel is going to be involved. As a Ultron finally comes back and takes over the world and the surviving heroes decide what they're going to do about it uh, story, on the one hand, the ground here is already well plowed from a what-if standpoint, um, alternate universe tales standpoint, you know, heroes driven to desperation and so forth. Uh, the fact that they're kind of making it happen in the Marvel Universe probably still isn't very, um, very new, um, but Nevertheless, Bendis is doing a good job. Um, you know, it's, it's like I said, well-plowed territory, but Bendis has a dozen little points and a few big ones to make um, to keep this story uh, fairly unique, including the actions of Wolverine and Sue Richards in the previous issue, uh, which answer the question, what's the most fail-safe way to keep Ultron from ever having been invented? Yep, that's the one. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all ends up um, in the Marvel Universe as a whole when all is said and done. This is supposedly going to be part of the continuity. Um, what the ramifications are, we shall have to see. Four stars. Uh, I like it a lot. Thanos Rising, number one, from Jason Aaron, writing Simone Bianchi on the art. Uh, Aaron's retelling the life story of Thanos here, and he's actually making me feel sorry for the young purple-faced titan and the influences on him as he grows up. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but I'll be curious to see where it goes. Uh, three stars. I like it. Journey into Mystery, number 651, from Catherine Imminen, writing Pepe Lorazza on the art, A Child's Garden of Verses. Uh, Imminen takes a break from the tale of Sif the Berserker to tell a charming and laugh-out-loud funny story of Volstagg's kids and the Warriors Three and Sif and Thor and a hellhound of previous brief acquaintance, some dwarves, and the Fenris Wolf. It's just a great little one-shot story, and frankly, I enjoyed it more than I have the main storyline that's been going on. So, four stars. I liked it a lot. The Superior Spider-Man, number nine. Dan Slott writing, Ryan Stegman on the art. Troubled Mind. Gray Matters. Uh, Doc Ock has finally detected the memory mind of Peter Parker lurking in his brain, and so it will have to come out. But Parker is not going to go down easily with so much at stake, so who will win? Um, I have to say I was surprised by S that Slot brought this all to a head so quickly. 
and at the creative decisions he made here. But it's a terrific issue in and of itself, and a surprisingly good new direction for Spidey, superior or not. So, um, bravo. Four stars. Uh, I liked it a lot. Daredevil number 25, Mark Wade writing, Chris Samney on the art. We hit the culmination of the experiments that have been going on by some mysterious figure to recreate Daredevil's powers, and DD has to fight the result. Will the man without fear learn to be afraid? Hmm. Unlike on Hulk, Wade is really firing on all cylinders on this title, and I find myself waiting eagerly for each month, so I recommend it highly. Four stars. I liked it a lot. Iron Man, number nine, Keith Gillen writing Dale Eaglesham on the art, The Secret Origin of Tony Stark, prologue. Iron Man's search with the bounty hunter Death's Head for Recorder 451, cute, continues, and during it he learns something about his, uh, origin. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, I am enjoying this series, though I'm having problems kind of really understanding the title character. Um, Stark's attitudes and actions seem all over the map, from space playboy to technological prospector to revenger of wrongs. Uh, The one constant seems to be that his ego keeps writing checks that his brain can't pay off. Uh, I'm sticking with it for now and hoping that the secret origin isn't an unnecessary retcon for a writer to put his mark permanently on the character. Uh, Three stars. I liked it. Moving over to DC, Birds of Prey number 19. From DC, Christy Marks writing Roman Molinar on the art, A Cold Day in Hell. Um, the brief doltish on DC's part Gail Simone hiatus continues. Though Christy Marks is a decent writer, this story is unengaging and the art is workmanlike and uninspired. Um, indeed, I mention this issue only because DC did some fun things this past month with some gatefold covers, with the hidden part having some sort of surprise. Um, in the case of Birds of Prey, though, they actually gave away the big reveal that was reserved for the final page of the issue. What the hell, DC? Uh, two stars. Uh, it was okay. Batman Beyond Unlimited, number 14, from DC. Uh, Diverse creators. Uh, This remains, for my money, one of DC's better books, if for no other reason than being outside of canon, not only does it not partake of the goofiness of the New 52, but its characters are allowed to grow and change. In this case, uh, in the Batman Beyond tale, Dana, we get some actual meaningful changes in Terry's girlfriend that will have an impact in the future of this series, a long one, I hope, and represent some real character growth. Um, well done to Adam Beechin in particular as writer on this segment. Wonder Woman number 19 from DC. Brian Azzarello writing Goran Suzuka and Tony Aiken's pencils. Under Seas. This book remains better than 90% of the New 52, but there are just so many odd notes to Azzarello's saga, from the usually angry Diana to sexist bad boy Orion, to just the whole pedestrian horror interplay between the gods. Um, my enchantment with the series is definitely wearing off, though given a choice between this Diana and Diana as she's portrayed over in Justice League, I'd be willing to have Brian Azzarello's love child in order to keep this going. Uh, three stars. I liked it. Before Watchmen, comedian number six of six from DC, Brian Azzarello writing, J.G. Jones on the art, 80s. Uh, The slow, destructive backstory of Edward Blake comes to an end in the kitchen of the Ambassador Hotel in 1972. Net-net, this fill-in of the Watchmen continuity has been one of the more successful ones. 
Uh, was it necessary? Of course not. Was it worthwhile? Yep. Now, DC, when do we get a non-hardcover collection of this and the other Before Watchmen uh, books? Fables number... Uh, three stars on that one, by the way. I liked it. Fables number 128 from DC Vertigo. Bill Willingham writing, Mark Buckingham on the pencil, Snow White Chapter 3, Through a Glass Darkly. Bigby Wolf has finally returned home to Fabletown to confront Prince Brandish. A uh, big battle ensues, of course, about which both sides assume they know what the final result will be. Only one can be correct. Um, very, very fine stuff, and another great outing in this title. Five stars. I thought it was faboo. Okay, some other publishers. Uh, we'll start with Image. Glory, number 34. Joe Keating's writing, Ross Campbell on the art. Um, I'll confess that I never altogether got Glory, nor did I know her from her earlier Image days, but what I did get was a very cool story of, of power and pride and family and deception and what it means to be a monster, uh, all in a character that seems to have been something of a Wonder Woman swipe originally, but who, in Keating's hands, was definitely not. Um, this issue sews up the current series in a nice, neat, final, satisfying fashion that still leaves room for more should someone choose to do so, though I kind of hope they don't, at least for a while. Invincible, number 102 from Image. Robert Kirkman writing, Ryan Otley penciling. The story of the Viltramites uh, takes an unexpected turn, and there's a lot of Superman-on-Superman eyeball-popping action. Oh, and a marriage proposal. Um, I've stopped expecting anything fully coherent from Kirkman on this title, but it's still, eyeballs notwithstanding, a regularly fun uh, book to read. Uh, three stars. I liked it. Thief of Thieves, number 13, from Image, Robert Kirkman and James Asimus writing, Sean Martinbro on the art. Another arc wraps up with crime adventure, crime betrayal, crime family, and something that's just dying to be put up on the big screen. Um, this is not the issue to pick up the series, but it's a series definitely worth picking up, um, as long as you can keep track of the many, many players. Um, the trade paperbacks are good for this. Three stars. Uh, I liked it. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy, number one, from Image. Mark Millar writing, Frank quietly on the art. The first generation of superheroes from the pre-World War II era is finally in their decline and still see the world in chaos and suffering around them. Meanwhile, their kids are self-indulgent, cowardly, spoiled dropouts or publicity hounds, and anything but a legacy to be proud of. That's the setup that takes the first issue to go through. What will happen next? Um, I sure want to find out. It's not a new story, but I'll be curious to see what Millar uh, brings to it. Four stars. Um, I liked it a lot. Rachel Rising, number 16, from Abstract. Terry Moore on the writing and art. Um, I had thought this series was losing its mojo a few issues back. Revelations complete, things becoming a bit boring and self-indulgently quirky. And then this issue raised the creepy factor by another tick or five. Um, well played, Mr. Moore. I have no idea where you're going with this, or if I want to go there, um, but I will be going there. Four stars, I liked it a lot. 47 Ronin, number 4 of 5 from Dark Horse, Mike Richardson writing, Stan Sakai on the art. To know this tale is to know Japan, they say, and the creative team here are knocking this um, long-told and many re times retold story um, out of the ballpark. 
um, this will be one to pick up uh, the collection for, and I plan on doing so in hardcover. Uh, five stars, just plain out amazing. Uh, and finally, Umbrella Academy Trade Paperback Volume 1 Apocalypse Suite from Dark Horse, Gerard Way writing, Gabriel Ba on the art. Um, this is actually from, I think, back in 2006. Um, I just finally got around to picking up at someone's recommendation the collection. Um, and there's just a ton of quirky potential in this dysfunctional, blended family of seven super-powered kids raised by a millionaire inventor since infancy and now reunited after long since disbanding for their adoptive father's funeral. <sighs> uh, unfortunately, the flares of brilliance here keep misfiring amidst clunky plotting and uninsightful characterization. Um, it reads very much as an indie comic uh, with high production values and, and has the flaws and advantages of your typical indie comic. Um, worth reading, I think. Um, different people will like it different amounts. Um, I, I gave it three stars. I liked it. I'm going to pick up the next volume, um, but I can't unequivocally uh, recommend it to, to everyone. And finally, some uh, named reviews. We're not going to go through the laundry list of uh, all the other comics uh, and just kind of do these one-liners. We're just going to go straight to the named reviews. And we'll start with the best cover of the past two months. And I'm going to give that to World's Finest number 12 from DC. Paul Levitt's writing, Kevin McGuire et al. on the art, and Ryan Souk on the cover. The Price of Fame. Um... This book, uh, which is a clever remix and retitle, slight retitle, of the old World's Finest DC comic of the 60s and 70s, starring, instead of Superman and Batman, Power Girl and Huntress, who are the Earth 2 Supergirl and Robin, um, if you've kept all of that straight. So th this, this title has been consistently entertaining, if not terrific, um, but it's been slowly improving, and this issue, uh, Mixed Art Team notwithstanding, is a good example as Karen Starr finds herself on the wrong end of a con concerted hostile action um, by Desaad, who is masquerading as Michael Holt. Um, overconfidence leads to tragic deaths, etc., and so forth, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the next issue, but what caught my eye here, literally, um, was the cover by Ryan Sook, um, demonstrating both that A, the classic Power Girl costume is back to the DC Universe, uh, boob window and all, um, and B, that it's just a, a kick-ass, menacing picture to see, um, even if this scene does not actually occur inside. Um, well done to Sook. Um, I give the overall book four stars. I liked it a lot. The best all-ages book I read over these last two months, Vader's Little Princess from Chronicle Books, Jeffrey Brown Writing and Art. Um, this is a smashingly cute collection of one-pager, usually one-panel cartoons of the hijinks around Darth Vader raising uh, his little girl, Princess Leia. Um, it's suitable for kids of any age who will enjoy the parent-child humor, and for adults for the same reason, just not for anyone who is at all... Uh, a continuity wonk, um, because, of course, it's completely non-continuity. Um, but it's darn funny and darn cute. Uh, four stars, I liked it a lot. The best collection I read these past two months, Hawkeye, Volume 1, My Life is a Weapon, Matt Fraction writing at David Aha, Aja, Aha, on the art. What does Clint Barton do when he's not running around with the Avengers? 
this. He deals with rooftop barbecues and Ukrainian slumlords and a dog and a potential blackmail video that could destroy him and shield both. Um, wry humor, expressive art, good plotting, a great book to follow, and a great first collection to pick up. I recommend it to anyone. Five stars. Amazing. Finally, the best comic of the past two months, Young Avengers, number four from Marvel. Kieran Gillen writing Jamie McKelvey on the pencils. Deus Ex Machine Gunner. Um, I've decided this book reminds me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, in terms of taking teens and teen ideas, taking a fresh, gripping, and innovative approach on them, and, and being a real trendsetter. I, I see this book as kind of breaking ground. Um, there's some awesome visuals, some solid dialogue, and just a sense of something new and creative going on. Um, I think this book is going to be remembered for a long time and have an influence beyond just being another Avengers title. Um, what all said and done, it's going to be a star in Gillen's already quite respectable career as well. Uh, McKelvey's art with Mike Norton is pretty nice too. A little on the stick side, a little too clean, but imaginatively laid out and executed. Um, definitely worth getting the inevitable collection that comes out in September, but um, I'd be buying the individual issues now. It's just good stuff, and I gave this one five stars. I liked it a lot. In fact, I liked it so much, I thought it was amazing. So... A summary of the best of the best. Four-star reviews this month. Age of Ultron, number seven. All-new X-Men, number 11. Avengers, 10. Batman Beyond Unlimited, 14. Daredevil, 25. Journey into Mystery, 651. Jupiter's Legacy, 1. Rachel Rising, 16. Superior Spider-Man, 9. Vader's Little Princess. And World's Finest, number 12. And five-star books. 47 Ronin, number 4. Fables, 128. Hawkeye Volume 1, My Life is a Weapon, and Young Avengers 4. And that, as they say, is that. The next episode should be the weekend of June 8th. Thank you all again for listening to this, the 50th Dave Does the Comics podcast, The Big 5-0. Wow. On my homepage, which you can find through the wonders of Google looking up Dave Does the Comics, you can see all the lovely covers for these lovely comic books and leave comments on the podcast. I can be reached there or tweeted at 3 underscore star underscore Dave. You can also find my trade paperback and graphic novel reviews at goodreads.com, the Dave Hill in Englewood, Colorado. I welcome your feedback, especially your suggestions for books I should try. I hope you've enjoyed this 22-odd minutes out of your life. Thank you once again. And as Stanley is so fond of saying, I'm not dead yet, true believers! True <laughs> believers!